Welcome to episode four of How Should a Man Live? This is the podcast where we are examining life between creation and new creation. And we are your hosts. I am Reagan Rose. And Miska Wilhelmsen. Well, in today's episode, we wanted to dig into a very specific practical subject, and that is the manliness of gardening. Miska, one of the things that has been a great source of sadness for me has been ever since we began this podcast, uh, people have reached out and said, oh, I love the podcast. And they said, you know, Miska has a lot more credibility as a manly man because he has that cool accent. And I just say, yeah, you should see his beard too. And so I think that from now on, I'm going to be faking an accent. And I've just been trying to figure out what accent to fake to try to, you know, earn my credibility. So, man, do you have any suggestions? Faking an accent. Yeah, I I can't help it. You know, like (laughs) English is not my first, first uh, language. Uh, Well, I I think if you did like a kind of a very serious British, you know, kind of Queen's English accent, I think that would be cool. Yeah. Like, hello, Miska. <laughs> Let's talk about the meal. No, 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 no. no. Not, that, that is an accent, but not, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not the most. Uh, I don't know. Well, well I'll, 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 I'll work on it uh, throughout the week, and maybe next time we can try something. <laughs> yeah. But what, our subject for today is the manliness of gardening. And, you know, as you think about gardening, probably some images come to mind. You probably think maybe of an old lady with a flower in her hat who has her little watering pot and her trowel and she, she's got her little flower pots. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a hobby for, uh, for this little old lady. But biblically speaking, there's a, a manliness to gardening. And Miska, why, why are we saying that there's a manliness to it? When we as Christians think about it uh, from a Christian point of view, how should we, uh, what should our theology of gardening kind of be and how that connects to manliness? You know, we obviously start at the beginning of the book, as we've been doing in pretty much every episode uh, of this podcast. We're getting back to look at things in light of creation. And one of those things then is gardening. And uh, when gardening is spoken about <laughs> first, well, in the first time in the history of the earth, the history of everything, first time in history, it's not some kind of a, you know, hobby suggestion to an old lady, rather it is a part of the dominion mandate given to mankind and specifically man, Adam, as the head uh, head of the, the wife. Um, and um, yeah, so just by that very basic truth, there is a inherent manliness to gardening mm-hmm. when we understand gardening in its biblical context. Yeah, and there's it gives you that balance between the hard work and mm-hmm. the tender care. You are literally exercising dominion over the earth. Uh, you can buy it if you're growing edible food, uh, not just, yeah. you know, ornamental flowers. You, you can provide yeah. for your family. You can teach your children through it. And yeah. it's, it's this enjoyment of creation on a level that a lot of us probably don't have, you know, where you're actually up in the face of, of plants and, and dirt and even uh, animals if you're raising them. And it's, it's a way we actually glorify God. Yeah. 
that's very true and uh, i think that connects to the misunderstanding again also of gardening like what do we mean by gardening we're not just saying like you know having a few flower pots you know like yeah that's part that can be part of gardening and flowers are great and display the wisdom and greatness of god and beauty to be enjoyed but gardening encompasses much more and depending on if you do it on a bigger scale of course it's a lot of work a lot of manual labor a lot of hardships uh, sweat and tears so to say uh, but even on a smaller scale like a little backyard uh, farming or having a few uh, little projects in your um, balcony or, or back garden you know even that requires a certain amount of work and and even strength and like you say i think that's helpful like it balances like hard work with tender care so at the same time uh at the beginning of the process depending on what exactly you're doing but you're you know digging with a shovel and you're like uh, removing dirt moving back and forth what you know all this taking away stones or tree stubs that might be growing in the way and clearing the land first which is very hard work uh, then you plant your seeds and once the seedling grows it's very fragile and you take care of it you make sure it's watered and you protect it and you uh, yeah you simply care for it you cultivate it so mm-hmm. hard work with tender care yeah yeah, and both Miska and I have, you know, been getting more into gardening. I think Miska has a lot more experience than I have from, from his past life. Uh, not reincarnation, mm. I mean, pre-Christian <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the the reason, at least for me, and I think for you too, that we're starting to get into more of it is not just because it's enjoyable or it seemed like the right time, is it really is coming out of our study of scripture and of you know the topic of this this program is is mm-hmm. we're looking back into how should a man live and what were we created to do we're just finding very obvious truths uh mm-hmm. about what man was created to be and you know the we have a few big points we want to make about manliness and gardening today and the the first one is that man was created to be a gardener. So where do we get that from, Miska? Yeah, so getting back to the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 1, and uh, Genesis chapter 1, specifically verse 29, this is uh, right after, well, I guess, just even though we've done it many times, but maybe I should read again also part of the Dominion Mandate because this flows from that, but then we'll look a little bit more at verse 29. But I'll begin the reading from verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then verse 29, which we'll focus on. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit 
you shall have them for food. And then it continues from there. It talks about how he also gives the plants to the animals to eat. But there, you know, well, uh, God created on uh, earlier in the, in the creation week, he creates the plants. And uh, here he's then said, say, get, like giving the purpose of why they exist, they exist so that you will have food and they are given to you so that you will uh, exercise dominion over all these aspects of the creation that you've given domin you've been given dominion over and part of that is the plant kingdom uh, and uh, so that's what gardening essentially is at least in my kind of definition of gardening you know uh, whether it is more specific one way or the other but someone who tends to a garden takes care of a garden and ultimately you could say that this whole earth is in some ways of a garden. Uh, some parts are better managed than others, <laughs> but uh, God essentially created a planet, which is, which is a garden. And we then live in particular places and maybe we have a backyard, a balcony or even a bigger farm. And then that's our specific uh, domain uh, and area of responsibility to uh, how yeah. we exercise gardening. Yeah, and you know, we we've seen and we've talked about it that from the beginning man is given this mission, this mandate to rule and subdue and and have dominion. And yeah. And specifically, you know, it it goes back to being created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And God is shown to us right in the beginning from Genesis that he is a a God who works. You know, it says in, in Genesis 2, verse 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And yeah. uh, if I'm remembering right, that's that's the Hebrew word barah for work. And the God God is, is set forth as a working God who creates us in his image, and then he rests on the seventh day. And if you know anything about <laughs> the Bible and about the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, uh, we are told that we are to rest on the seventh day just as God did. And so mm -hmm. there's this connection between work and rest that is part and parcel of being an image bearer. Mm -hmm. And I say that just to try to make more strong the, the show that that connection between God being a working God and us being working creatures really is there in Scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is that at least in the beginning, uh, God gave man a very specific type of work. I, mm. I don't think that, and I don't think either of us would say that it illegitimizes other forms of work as aspects of dominion, right? I mean, no. you and I are not um, full-time farmers or anything like that. No. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, there should be something, I think, in our how we, how we look at this and say, huh, so the original work man was given to do when things were perfect, when mm when God said, here's what I, I've created you for this world and you're to tend it, it that tending, that dominion was direct. It mm. was, it was right, uh, in, in, like I said before, in the, in the face of creation itself, actually working creation. And yeah, I, I think that that's, that's important to understand. Mm. And I think as you say about how we mirror, uh, reflect, 
God and God's glory as image bearers and the whole connection between rest and work. Uh, if you think about that, that in our day and age with all this technology and, you know, we can literally just sit and uh, only essentially use our minds and maybe a keyboard, you know, mm-hmm. but just kind of think about that when when you then rest on one day of the week, you're still thinking, mm-hmm. you know, you're still using your mind and thinking. So what are you resting from? You're not resting from thinking, right? You know, in, mm-hmm. in, in that sense. So the just kind of struck me as you were even uh, talking now, about I, I think I understand what you're saying that, that like that you there's more of an actual doing physic like yeah that you're <laughs> resting from physical labor is yeah. what yeah yeah, yeah that is that, that is an interesting point I that bears some further consideration <laughs> and thought about yeah. that and again like you said we and in both of us most of our work uh, like what we were you know full time work is kind of mind work or uh like connected to you know internet stuff answering mm-hmm. emails phone calls oh you know sermon prep all those kind of things coding but i think it is a important reminder for us to not to use that in the sense of saying that oh we can't all those other things are not work because we're not like actively using every part of our body as muscles but at the same time remind us that if our life is essentially all of it is that kind of life where we're not using our body then maybe there's something wrong you know and yeah, maybe yeah. that's a good reminder that especially then if my work requires me to do a lot of just sitting and thinking and studying and writing or these kind of things then i should as much as possible balance that in my free time uh with you know mm-hmm. planting a garden for example and, and yeah. that will be good for me as a creature who's been created to also work with my body and uh no and, i i think that's a well said and that's been for me one of the most enjoyable things about getting into gardening or, or get, you know just doing physical things in general on the weekends yeah. like that is it's kind of flip-flopped from how it was in the beginning, but that is my my rest. That's what I really yeah. love to do. I love to do a home improvement project or, or to work yeah. in the garden or whatever um, and take a break from all the thinking, uh, you know, that, that I have to do during the week. Yeah. Um, let me, I, I didn't complete my thought, I don't think, about man created to be a gardener from the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, that, that connection I was talking about, about God being a worker and then creating man to be a worker. That's, that's Mm -hmm. even more explicit than I said. Uh, because if you keep going in Genesis two verse eight, uh, it says, and the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the East, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And so Mm -hmm. you, you say, okay, where did, how can you say that man was created to be a garden? Well, gardener, (laughs) I say, well, Genesis two, eight, um, and then it says in 2.15 specifically, so why is he in the garden? Is he just there to enjoy it? Is it just paradise? Is it a vacation? No, not exactly. It says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Hmm. Um, that, that, that's critical. Um, you know, one of those words is uh, evad, which is uh, to serve it or to, you know, to care for it. There, there's, hmm. There is a um, relational aspect to the to how man uh was to keep the garden 
Yeah, I think that's very helpful. And like, yeah, it, it's plain and clear from there, you know. God put him in the garden. And why did he put him? To work it and keep it. And that's my working definition for a gardener. Someone who's in a garden and whose job is to uh, work it and keep it. You know, so that's the manliness of gardening. You know, that's what God uh, put Adam uh, in the garden to do. And gave me. But the question then from this is, okay, okay, yeah, he, he was a gardener at the beginning. But hasn't things changed? You know, don't we live in a fallen world? Don't we live in a sin-cursed world? And uh, does it really, in that sense, have much relevance to us on this side of the fall, uh, whether Adam was a gardener in the beginning or not? And uh, so the question is, do we have from Scripture... Um, uh, the, the scripture show us that this aspect of gardening kind of continues or does it discontinue or you know how, how should we yeah. think about that yeah and I think that that is a, a great question because I, I think that you know as we're as we're working through this argument here is is gardening a manly thing? I think that you have to say yes because mm. because in the beginning when things were perfect it was yes man was created to be a gardener, but even before we go after the fall, I think during the fall there's this affirmation of uh, gardening even in the curse itself I should say, right? Oh, yeah. So in Genesis, um, I hadn't noticed this until recently, but that. Uh, the curse itself is actually an affirmation of the creation mandate or mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not a disavowal of it. It's not God saying, oh, you're free from this. He's saying, you still got to do what you got to do, but it's going to be harder now. And so mm -hmm. um, let me just read uh, the man's part of the curse, which is from Genesis 3 uh, verses 17 and following. Mm -hmm. um, God has just said uh, to the woman what her curse will be. And he says to Adam, and Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you were taken for dust. You are and to dust, you shall return. And then if you skip down to verse 23, he says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So I think there's there's a lot there, Miska. Like you have yeah. this, like it, it, this, it, the curse is about him being a gardener, right? Yeah. I mean, specifically. Yeah, that's yeah. So gardening itself does not disappear anywhere, but the nature of that gardening and the ease <laughs> of that gardening changes right right you know, like so the the curse the curse and the, the fall into sin does not mean that now somehow that you know aspect of gardening is completely off the table and now we live in a different kind of reality and different kind of universe somehow no uh the gardening is to continue but now there is a curse mm -hmm. on that and now it's harder and uh, that, you know, that the same truth, of course, applies to everything, all kind of work. You know, uh, it's not just guarding everything. And this is just the kind of the Christian 
a view to, or what would you say the Protestant view of the, the you know the goodness of work you know that uh, as Christians we do not believe that the only work that matter is some kind of spiritual work like the you know the pastor and his job is good but everyone else is kind of like at the best neutral no we believe that all things as long as they're not sinful but all things whether it's sweeping the streets or working in some factory or gardening or whatever it is if it is done to the glory and honor of God and it is you know good and right uh, but all all aspects of work have become then difficult and gardening is the the first job and the most essential job you know we we think if you i mean we talked about it in our one of previous episode also like this whole covid 19 thing it's made many people think a little bit more <laughs> you know uh so we think that oh gardening that has nothing to do with me or like animal husbandry that has nothing to do with me until you get to a point when you might not have an access to get uh vegetables from the shop or meat from the shop then suddenly you start thinking wait a minute where would i get those if the shop didn't exist or if the shop can where would i get those jobs or uh, those yeah. uh, jobs those products and uh, then it is very closely connected to yeah and, and i think that there's there's an ignorance that that is just like when you start thinking about it is so dumb like you might and i've thought this way before so i'll, I'll call myself the dummy is you can sometimes think, well, we've kind of moved beyond this. We're not an agrarian society anymore. Like we have technology, yeah. like I can work at the factory or I can work in an office, which I do. And like, like gardening is irrelevant. Like this is not how we live anymore, except for the fact that mankind can never move past gardening. But just mm -hmm. thinking holistically, like Someone is getting you food. Like you have to get food from the earth. Now we've removed ourselves um, so many layers from actually the, the the production ourselves. Many of us we don't mm. work in the agricultural industry, quote unquote. Mm. Um, but we're still part of that because we food has to come from the earth. That's the that's where we get it. And that I just think that we we probably need to be a lit a bit more. Um, cognizant of the reality that uh you're still part of the process of gardening and agriculture even mm. though you live at the end of it you're still consuming things from the earth just because yeah. you've disinvolved yourself in it you haven't you're not better than the farmer you're not better than the person who who does those things directly in mm. fact you are actually dependent upon them yeah i think that's a very good point and i think as we will get to it, you know, in this podcast, I'm sure even more, but then not even just the need for it. So not just even like the pragmatic kind of like, well, since we need it to survive, then you should know about it or something. But then getting back to the purpose, like the purpose mm -hmm. of life and how God has created, you know, before the fall. So not just it's not just that mankind somehow desperately needs to have food and sustain himself and therefore he will do gardening and if he gets someone else to do it for him all the better and mm -hmm. you know like we live and somehow like how great we that we live in this uh, society where now i can just fully focus on 
thinking <laughs> and I don't have to ever touch soil with my bare hands because someone else does that to me. Is that kind of thinking Christian? I don't think it is. And getting back to the idea that God has created us from dirt. He has, he has given us life and he gave us the dominion mandate before the fall. And, and there's an enjoyment and the connection to that physical creation that God has made. And seeing, you know, close up uh, the, the intricacies and the beauty of life that God has made. You know, mm -hmm. just in these last few months, I can say, you know, I've never looked at certain things like I've looked at them in these last few months. You know, in, you know, it's springtime or now it's already summer, but, you know, springtime you start singing, seeing things spring up. And in Finland, we have cold, dark winters and everything's kind of dead. But then whenever and you start seeing like, oh, it's amazing how mm -hmm. these plants work. Mm -hmm. and, and these birds and God takes care of the birds. He feeds them. Like Jesus mm -hmm. said, look at the birds. You know, your heavenly father feeds them. If he takes care of them, he takes care of me. It's just anyway. So just the, uh, not, not just that, oh, I need food to survive. Uh, but how it connects to what we were made to do. And if we were made to do that in the beginning, even before the fall, how does that connect today? And uh, yeah. shouldn't I be interested in it? Shouldn't yeah. I seek to do some some part of that? You know. Yeah. No. And that that's exactly right. And I think that if you if you kind of picture these different epochs of of history on a timeline, so you have you have man's created, and then you have the fall. So we we know, and we've kind of established this from scripture that man was created to be a garden gardener before the fall. Then we see in the fall, or in the curse, rather that that is not disavowed, but it's actually just, it's cursed. It's made harder. Mm. And then we noted um, three Genesis 3.23, because that's actually right after the curse, is mm. when they are sent from the garden, uh, it says, therefore the Lord God sent them from the garden of Eden. What, for what purpose? To do what? To work the ground from which he was taken. So mm. man is sent from the garden after the curse to continue gardening to continue working the, yeah. the land from which, the ground from which he was taken. It's just now going to be harder. So mm -hmm. that's the time we live in. So that begins sort of uh, the post fall uh, state with which we're still part of. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess the, the next phase of that, there's of course redemption and stuff, but we know, we know it with Christ, but we know that, um, that the creation still groans after that, Gen uh, mm. Romans eight. So yeah. the, it's not been restored. But what the, there's a big change after that when the earth is restored. And so, yeah. if you guys remember, this is kind of the the point of our podcast. Is we will look at creation and we look at new creation, the new earth, and kind of mm. see what are the what's are similar between those two things, and are there conclusions we can draw about how we live between them. So maybe Miska, you could talk about new earth gardening. What are what are references to gardening when the world is made new? Yeah, so I think a very helpful passage on this is in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter sixty-five, and then verse twenty-one. So Isaiah sixty-five specifically to this connection verse 21 but let me just remind you that verse 17 says that for behold i create the new heavens and the new earth so this is the kind of the passage one of the main passages that 
when we speak about what does the Bible's Bible teaches about the new heavens, new earth. So Isaiah 65 and these verses are very important in understanding that. But then specifically to gardening, um, verse 21, it says, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen ones and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. So here we're given a, a glimpse into a particular kind of gardening. Uh, vineyards are mentioned here. And uh, I would call this a gardener. I think you, you'd probably say, oh, it's a, what is it, vine dresser? <laughs> it's a vine yeah. dresser. But, you know, what is a vine dresser? He's essentially a gardener, a specific type of uh, gardener. So they shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. So in the new heavens and new earth, and uh, kind of as a side note, we, we've said in previous podcast we are pre-millennial uh, so we believe and and one of the reasons we are pre-millennial is that we see the scripture as a whole and and specific prophet prophecies in the old testament like this uh, speak of a aspect of that uh, kingdom future kingdom the age to come that there's an aspect what is called then like the mediatorial kind of kingdom or in, no intermediate kingdom sorry uh, intermediate kingdom and uh, that there's aspects that are kind of restored and great but then there's aspects that still are not completely restored and there's uh, well we won't get into too much now but I just want to mention that, that in verse 20 in this passage Isaiah 65, it talks about uh, no more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days and an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. So that's the verse that comes just before this passage uh, about vineyards. And uh, the way we then see and understand as premillennialists is that it's we are in this age uh, this is the, the current age, the scriptures speak of this age and the age to come. And the age to come has th two phases to it, so to say. And it begins, the kind of the introduction to the age to come is the messianic millennial kingdom of uh, the Messiah when Christ will sit on the throne of David, rule from uh, Jerusalem and put his enemies under his feet. And so there will be great, uh, you know, a lot of aspects of what it will be in the uh, final uh, new earth, uh, new heaven, new earth. But there's still aspects here that are like death, you know, uh, which which don't fit into the present age, and neither do they fit into the eternal stage. So yeah, that's just a side note here, since someone might be wondering, like, hey, I thought you were premillennial. Like, how you you know how do you understand it? But so. This will be happening in the millennial kingdom and we believe also that these things that uh, are good and right, so not death, that won't continue in the eternal state, but these things that are good uh, and, and righteous and have no um, 
aspects of sin or death in them, they will uh, continue into the eternal state. Yeah, it's just part one of the restoration. So we, yeah. we see things beginning to be restored, but they will be completely, absolutely perfect and all bad things gone in the mm -hmm. eternal state. Um, but the, like Miska's saying, we can draw conclusions about the eternal state as well from this uh, and, yeah. and see that, yeah, like prosperity, right? Um, mm -hmm. the, the And uh, permanence, at least a greater degree of permanence. You know, that's one of the most yeah. frustrating things I think in life um, if you are, if you're really a thinking person is you kind of know that a lot of what you do won't last. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, Solomon's lament in Ecclesiastes. He's like, you know, you, you, you die and, and you, in the labors of your hands, it'll just be given to another, you know, what's, it's so futile. And so yeah. I think we, we often feel that futility in our labor, um, that I plant and another man eats of it. Right. That's what he says yeah. here. He says, that's not going to be the case anymore. It's yeah. going to be like, it says in, um, Psalm 80, you know, Lord, ex Lord establish the work of our hands. Um, and that's just the beginning, but, uh, at any rate, the, the, the point that we're trying to make from this is that you, there will be gardening in the, uh, in the eternal state and there will be gardening in, um, the millennial kingdom. Yeah. And that is pictured. It's not, it's not just symbolic. It's not, you know what I mean? A lot of times we yeah. read stuff like this and we think, oh, prosperity, uh, like this, this is just symbolic prosperity. That means we'll all have swimming pools full of root beer, you know, or something yeah. like that. And you're yeah. like, well, like, what if, what if he means that you get to build your house and live in it and you yeah. get to actually plant your vine and eat of it yourself? Like, yeah. that seems and, pretty great to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think the question then is like, why, why would we start to think like, oh, this has to be symbolic? You know, why would we even, like, why would that thought process come in our mind? Oh, this can't be really talking about that we're going to build our own houses and have our own vineyard and a fig tree like it talks about in Micah 4.4. 4. Uh, like, why not? Is there mm -hmm. something inherently wrong with a fig tree or a, a vineyard? Is there something wrong or sinful about enjoying the fruit of uh, planting a vineyard? No, biblically, no. The only thing that would mm -hmm. make you think that way is, again, platonic thinking ne you know neoplatonic or christoplatonic thinking uh and it's so deeply ingrained in our christian minds which is so sad like i you know i've been battling this kind of thinking in my own head for a long time and i need to con I, I, I find myself continuing that you know mm -hmm. and uh we'll have to do in some future podcasts, you know, to look even more into like the history of how like Platonic thinking started influencing Christianity and St. Augustine yeah. and, and Aquinas and all this kind of, but yeah. I think I, that I, would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think that there's another reason too, and you kind of touched on it earlier, like the, the hmm. one reason that we would look at this and kind of, say oh yeah that just that kind of vaguely means that thing things will be great you know um so that that is due to christoplatonic thinking but there's also mm -hmm. as we touched on in the beginning a lot of us don't see a literal fulfillment of that as being desirable because we've mm -hmm. lived our whole lives basically inside of our heads you know like so much of mm -hmm. our lives are so disconnected 
from creation anyway that mm-hmm. the idea of doing like i don't want to swing a hammer and build a house that sounds awful <laughs> i have people for that um <laughs> you know that that to us doesn't sound desirable and so we're like that must mean something else you know what i mean so i think oh, that's yeah, an aspect that's of it too yeah. because i would not have until you know the past several years i would look at that and not have thought that's desirable but I tell you, the more now that I, you know, I own my my a home. You know, I own some property as much as you can own something in California, um, <laughs> and I have a garden and I cultivate these things. Like that is my. I have so much joy from that, and the idea, mm-hmm. the idea of being able to to build a place and and to and to grow a vine and to do that and to be able to enjoy the fruits of that for mm-hmm. for years and years and years is like. I, I can think of nothing more desirable to me. And so when I read this, my heart leaps with joy and I get yeah. so excited for the day that I can do these things and the futility of them, the, the frustration of them is cast mm. off and they uh, are more um, productive, the vine, than it ever has been before. And, and there's peace. Do, do you know what I mean? I think that is part of it, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think there's, that's a very good point. And that, that's coming back to, the, like you say, the whole, like, we don't even desire this. And that just shows how far we've come away and how, how different our priorities are from biblical priorities, you know? And uh, yeah, it's, well, we could get into it like a whole long discussion, but you know, just just like simply said, if you read something in scripture, and if it is like emphasized as a good and right thing in scripture, and even certain things like you know Jesus did in his ministry, you know certain things, and if that makes you uncomfortable, what's where's the problem? Where's the problem? You know, like yeah. if if the fact that Jesus performs his first miracle and he changes water into loads, buckets, loads of wine. Uh, and if you think that somehow like unspiritual or borderline, you know, ungodly or, or, or something like that. Uh, where's you, the problem? You yeah, know? you're bringing it. You're bringing a criteria that doesn't come from Scripture to judge mm-hmm. the Scripture. You're being you're bringing yeah. a set of values that are external to the word of God by which you judge mm. it. You were like, well, that can't be right. The, yeah. you know, the, the water to wine, that can't, that can't be right. Or you mm. bring it to, to this new creation thing. You say, well, mm. that can't be right. Like we don't want physical things. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that that does lead to confusion and there is, I don't know, maybe it's an aspect of, of God's judgment on us that we don't long for these things. But if mm. I was thinking about it earlier this morning about, um, you know, one part of the um, creation mandate that we haven't stressed that much is mm. the being fruitful and multiplying. Yeah. And if you think about the time we live in, you know, lots and lots of uh, people, especially millennials, uh, which is, I guess, our generation, yeah. aren't having kids. And mm. it's, because they don't want to. Many, many people are planning not to have children mm-hmm. and because they see it as undesirable. And that to me is, I mean, of course, like you, you've heard other, other Christians talk about how terrible it is and, and all of that, but like, why is it terrible? I, it's terrible for the same reason that us 
um, basically hating creation and not wanting to be a part of it and enjoy it is terrible. Mm. We were mm. made, we were called, we were mandated by God to be fruitful and multiply and to fill yeah. the earth and to care yeah. for it and to exercise dominion. And mm. that we've lost taste for all of that. Mm. That, I mean, that really is, it's more than tragic. It's a little alarming. You know, what yeah. is, what is wrong with us that we have completely lost all desire for the, the reason we exist? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good point. And uh, yeah, I'm, we'll get, I'm sure, even more in future episodes. Like you said, we haven't talked much yet about the, the command to, uh, well, procreation, essentially. Uh, and uh, But we certainly believe in that. It's part of the dominion mandate, creation mandate. But like you, like you then said there, the connection with gardening and uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, both are part of the creation mandate, dominion mandate, kingdom mandate, whatever your preferred term for that command by God in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Uh, but then the curse, like we dealt with it a little bit even in a previous podcast, the curse makes both those things harder, harder. So the both of those things continue and they're part of our purpose and what we were made to do and to be, but they become harder. And, um, yeah, so it, yeah. there is certainly a hardship about yes. having kids and raising children is not easy all the time, mm -hmm. but at the same time, oh, the joy, you know, oh, mm -hmm. the joy to have children. And there's times when it doesn't feel as joyful, but then it's like, you know, praise God, you know, that you've, you've given me these sons to take care for and, uh, yeah. help, you know, yeah. So I think the same is with gardening yeah, yeah. Like, and, and you know just to kind of complete the thought you know in terms of restoration in this passage from isaiah 65 it mm -hmm. talks about the the um uh what's the word Re redemption of or the restoration of gardening and, and that aspect of it mm -hmm. but it also talks about in in this um Millennial kingdom, it says in verse 23, they shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they mm -hmm. shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Like the, you know, like the, the, the yeah. things that are being restored, there's, there's very clearly this hearkening back to, uh, at least, a, um, a form of the Edenic state where, where, where things were perfect and good. There's a restoration of all those. And I just think that it, it, it's further proof that this this um, creation mandate is, was not just a, a plan A that got foiled by the fall and was abandoned. It is, mm -hmm. it is no. It, this is part and parcel of what it means to be a, a man. Means to be a human being. Is mm -hmm. this the mission to be fruitful, multiply, and exercise dominion? And yeah, it's it's harder now. And, you know, people have, have, have miscarriages or, you know, children born for calamity yeah. or, or, or that, kids that turn aside. Um, but it's not always going to be that way. And just because it's, it's hard now and it's, and it is, is, is flawed. Uh, it's still, it's still who we are, still what we were made mm -hmm. for. And it's still what God's told us to do. And everything we do it's still going to be hard <laughs> to some yeah. degree. Like whatever you do, uh, it's still going to be its difficulties and challenges we live in. A, and the reason for that is because you carry yourself around whatever you do, whatever, you know, you are involved and you're part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like we can 
avoid it anyway so then uh, we should yeah we should just kind of okay what's the what's the thing we were made to do and how can i be connected to that better you cannot run from the curse you cannot mm. run from the garden to the city and then from the city to the computer and from the computer to to whatever else like trying to trying to avoid the hardships of uh, the curse. And I think that that is what many of us are doing. I think that with the mm. industrial revolution and with the information revolution, I think we're constantly as, as a, as a people believers and unbelievers trying mm. to find a way to ease the discomforts of the curse. And mm. I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing, but, but what we have to accept is that it is, it is a reality that it doesn't, it might get easier from a manual sense that your back isn't sore because instead mm. you're you're working on a computer, but it's mm. all cursed. All work is broken, and you and you cannot just completely run from it and say, "Oh, our lives are are going to be perfect and flawless and and comfortable and easy if we could just uh, get far enough away from the garden." Do you know what mm. I mean? Like I, I'm kind of yeah. using that metaphorically, but I do mm. think that 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 some of what we would term progress of humankind, which I'm not, I'm not disregarding it as a progress mm. entirely, but I think that some of the motivation behind our progressing away from an agrarian society, I guess I would say, mm. is because we're trying to escape the consequences of hard work. But as to your point, you can't really do that. It's still going to be mm. hard no matter what you do. Yeah. And as Christians, when we think about it, then, okay, this is the, we have the dominion mandate, then, which includes the be fruitful, multiply, you know, take care of uh, the creation that we've been given. Then we see that it continues, but we see that it now continues with hardship. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, are we then to say like, okay, I would do it if it was without hardship, but now because of my sin, God made it hard. Therefore, I'm going to do everything I can to stay as far away from that and avoid the hardships that God cursed upon the creation mandate. You know, and uh, yeah, I think, like you said, that's, that's what a lot of us kind of think, even though we might not articulate it in, in that manner and we might not say it that clearly, but that's essentially what... A lot of our modern society seeks to do and 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 value and 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 undervalue those things of you know like oh why would you have children you know messy children that just cause a lot of trouble whatever and if you would have children you just need to have children enough to make the society work you know right, or some pragmatic right. view or yeah, or to look you... down on the farmer to look down on the person uh -huh. who or the manual laborer yeah why would you get your hands dirty you know if you can have someone else do it. Um, I think we had one more passage, one more supporting my passage, Micah 4.4. 4. Do you have that? Yeah, yeah, I can read that. Yeah, so Micah chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of essentially the same as Isaiah 65 there that every man, and this is talking about future, future kingdom, 
every man will sit under his vine and every under his fig tree. And in that sense, just getting back to the whole, like, how do we interpret this? I don't believe that it means that in the new creation there will only be fig trees and vine <laughs> trees, you know, like literally like there would be anything else. No, it's, it's, it's picking up certain examples and... Uh, I don't think is even logically thinking if God created all this variety, then why would there only be a very small variety in the future? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I but think he's is... pointing out some of the sweetest, you know, figs are some of the sweetest uh, fruit and, and vines, yeah. you know, you can produce wine from the grapes. And so I think yeah. that he's using exemplary uh, things from the creation to say, yeah, yeah. there's going to be prosperity, but that, that doesn't mean that, the, that it's all sim symbolic and that it no, doesn't actually no. mean physical uh prosperity of the land itself yeah yeah so i think we probably will have blueberries too you know in finland we like blueberries so and i think or elderberries in the elderberries yeah that's true <laughs> but yeah so that's the you know one other passage about the uh, future kingdom and how gardening plays into that but then practically <sighs> You know, we've been, okay, we've kind of laid out the biblical foundations and much more could be said, but, you know, kind of, uh, we're doing a podcast, we're limited in time. But what what does gardening do to you? Stephen, from uh, thinking from our own experience and thinking through these things, like what does it, what kind of an effect can gardening have on you and what are some of the positive things that we've found in our own life? Uh how about you, Reagan? What what would you say? You know, we have this list. Uh, yeah, where... yeah. We we listed a bunch of these, and I, I I think that it's it's important. Sometimes when we approach scripture and we read about a command or something that we ought to be doing, uh, we say, "Great, okay, I guess I got to do that." And and this is the other side of it is we're saying, "Yeah, I think man was made to be a gardener because scripture says it," but mm-hmm. then. Also, man should want to do this because it does these things to you. Uh, it has an effect on you, which is very good for you and joyous. Mm-hmm. And so the, the first one we had here is humility. What does gardening do to you? Well, it produces humility because if you've ever tried to grow, grow something and have it not mm-hmm. work out, you recognize that you're not in control of everything. Yeah. It's harder than you might first think. You say, oh, I just water and just do this. But all the time, it's one of the things I love about gardening is I'm learning new things. I learn new ways to prune plants. I learn that, oh, this one needed a different, um, you know, type of uh, combination for its soil. It needed different food. It grows best in these conditions. And even if you do all those things correctly, it still sometimes doesn't work out. You still need to water the plant and pray that God would give it its growth. And Mm -hmm. there's there's a tangible, observable uh dependence on god's sovereignty when you garden yeah and yeah connected to that like kind of a different or the other side of the coin maybe but like dependence right you know it, it's gardening teaches you dependence on god and you we're always dependent on god but the di- the, the the subtlety of uh, how would you say the subtle lie, the subtle deception of much of a modern society is that we don't think we are dependent on God. Whereas, like, oh yeah, we pray, give us this day our daily bread, but yeah, you know, there'll always be food in the shop or whatever. You know, I you and 
I never even give a second thought to the fact that whether there will be good rains this year for the crops to grow and whether the weather patterns and so forth will produce a good yield. But then when you start thinking about these things, even on a small scale kind of hobby farm on your backyard or balcony or whatever, you should start to realize more on your dependence on God. Like you say, he's the one who gives the growth, first of all, but also he's the one who gives the rain uh, to the, you know, everywhere. And, and, uh, and the, so that the plants are able to grow. So just this dependence. And I do think that it says something also when you think about when people were more of an agrarian society in general, which most of human history has been, of course, until the you know, modern age, people uh, were more religious, <laughs> let me say that, you know, and of course there's been false religion and false worship and all that, but even it just forces you to be more mindful of the fact that there is a creator and you are dependent on him. And so I, I don't think it's a coincidence that atheism is kind of like a new thing. I mean, there has been atheism to some sort of levels, but as big as it is in our society, as far as I understand human history, it's never been like that ever in, in the history of mankind. And I think part of that is we're so disconnected from nature. And if all, all you see is man-made computers and man-made concrete boxes, where you live and man-made packaged food supplies in the man-made shop, you know, it's easier for yourself to be deceived into thinking that you're not dependent on God. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and gardening also uh, teaches you patience. <laughs> it teaches yeah. you patience. Uh, you realize that growing something takes time and patience. And I think that is, you know, to contrast again with going to the shop, as you say, we say like the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> but if I go to the to the shop, if I go to Ralph's down the street here, yeah. uh, I can at any time. I say, I need more tomatoes. I'm going to go yeah. get some tomatoes. I need more this. I can go and get it instantly. When you grow yeah. it yourself, you're like, this takes forever. Like I've been growing <laughs> tomatoes for I don't know how long. And yeah. I haven't been able to eat any of them yet. I want to eat yeah. them. And yeah. uh, that in our age of instant gratification and, and social media and all of that, it's so important to learn the value of patience. And this is good for kids too, showing them mm -hmm. how long it takes to grow. And there's so many side benefits as well too, because even if you, you know, are just growing a little bit of your own food, it helps you appreciate what you get even from the grocery store. As you say, yeah. well, this apple didn't just, a you know, they didn't call the Apple phone number and, and then it, the Apple's just materialized there. This is yeah. the product of a lot of a long time, a whole season. Um, and yeah, and I think that that's a value, obviously, you know, for, for Christians, we were to be patient, we're to be long suffering and actually gardening can help us to cultivate that virtue in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, and like connected to that is what, you know, I kind of called here the plodding. I, you know, you did in your Redeeming Productivity, you did the book review on Doug Wilson's book on productivity. You know, and I've been reading that book also. I found it very helpful. But yeah, so that's where I got the word plodding. But just the, the plodding of kind of like little things regularly and daily. And... Uh, that's, you know, essentially patience, you know, like you say, we, we live in this social media kind of age, instant everything. And we think that 
as long as I, whether I press the button now, it will happen. Or the other thing is like, you know, I just spend, if I do the whole day today, I'll do this project and then I'll get it all done, right? You know, like, and uh, massive time in one, you know, concentrated chunk and I'll get this. And that works in some aspects, but at the same time, most of life is those little daily regular things and kind of having good and godly disciplines whether it's about when you wake up and reading the scriptures and prayer and you know you know family worship uh, you know which you're teaching your children uh, all these kind of things it's those little things that make up the day as a mm -hmm. whole and uh, then when how it connects to gardening is like you said, if you like, oh, I want to grow some tomatoes. I was like, okay, I'll get some seeds. I put them in. Okay, sit there and wait then. You know, like, it's yeah. like, come on, grow, grow, grow. Yeah. Like tomorrow, I need to like, <laughs> no, like you, you can't pull an all nighter and then no. so you can get tomatoes the next morning. You know, <laughs> exactly. like you could with like a you homework or a project or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what you what you can do is every day, or depending on whatever the plant is, how much attention it needs. But you water it, you make sure that uh, along the way. And so it's the long-term vision, the long-term little things, but daily and regularly in the end, at the harvest time, you will have, depending mm -hmm. on what you've grown and how much of it, you'll have things to harvest and rejoice and uh, put in jars for the winter. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then you'll have for the rest. Of, but it's those little things daily and how that then connects to everything else it's not just gardening but as i said even other aspects of life yeah and i think that it's a lesson that we need in this modern era there, there's actually a, a very popular recent book on productivity called atomic habits by james clear and okay. That's very, very popular. And really the premise of the book is that small changes done consistently lead to big results. And yeah. it's, it's funny to me because if you, it's a good book. I'm, I'm not yeah. making fun of the book. I'm making fun of our need for the book. The fact yeah. that he, he could basically write a book about something that's very simple and that the farmer or the gardener never needed to be told. It's a, yeah. it's a lesson that's only relevant to those of us who live in the information and instant gratification age where mm -hmm. we don't understand the value of plotting. And so he, he writes his book and says, just change one little thing and do it every single day and you'll see big results instead of trying to muster up some big master plan. And, and you know, in three weeks, you're going to write that book or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I just it occurred to me that that's just a that's a distinctly modern problem that's a result of our mindset that there's even in the secular world people trying to correct, but gardening yeah. teaches you that lesson very yeah. clearly every single day. And uh, part of then gardening, Jose, we touched it in the beginning a little bit, but it's hard work. Aspects of gardening, depending on what scale, you know, you do it, it can be, the more you have to garden, the harder it becomes. Uh, but even on a small scale, even if you just put it on your balcony, it teaches you to work with your hands, which is part of what we've been made to do. And it also shows you results for your work as long as you keep on plodding, as long as you have patience, mm -hmm. you know. And so, and this is again connected to our modern age where uh, much of our, our work can, you know, and it's maybe good and right and important work, but 
often we don't necessarily see the results you know we're we're part of a chain of things that produce something but we don't necessarily see tangible results of our work mm -hmm. uh, but then in gardening you know it's like if you you planted the seed you put the soil you watered it you wait and you patiently keep on taking care of that plant you will see it god will and you know he 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 will cause it to grow and you're working with your hands and you see the result of your work and that's mm -hmm. the beauty like these passages we read from uh isaiah 65 also they will enjoy the labor of their hands yes and that's yeah. part of what we've been made to do we've been made to labor to be creative to exercise dominion mm -hmm. uh, in a fallen world there's hardship but at the same time there's joy you look at it and it's like whoa look at yeah. that look at that and and, and and you give praise to god for it yes you know? and that's that is so important to recognize we live in a time of instant gratification but you have to mm -hmm. realize and we all know this instant gratification isn't gratifying it's mm -hmm. not it doesn't actually gratify because you weren't made for that this is why the drug user has to keep going back for more drugs. This yeah. is why the, the kid addicted to video games has to keep playing one more match, one more match. Because mm. those little things that, that offer you pleasure are not... You're trying to put too much confidence in them. You're trying to have them bear too much weight for your joy. Your joy mm. as a human being made by God is in seeing the fruits of your labors, is in working mm. hard for them and then seeing the result of it. In fact, you know, even the secular world recognizes this. We, I forget which one of us sent this to the other one, but uh, pr there's, an, there's an article, Princeton researchers discover that yeah. home gardening is basically the answer to society's ills. That was the title of it. But <laughs> yeah. the, they, the, their point was that they did all these surveys on happiness and, and stuff and different hobbies, what people did. And they just overwhelmingly kept finding that people at home gardens were the happiest, had the highest levels of reported happiness. Yeah. Why is that? Because they were living like they ought to, doing hard work and enjoying the fruits of it and not just yeah. chasing um, instant gratification, which can't satisfy. Yeah. And I think even the, if I remember right, that article or the, about the research, part of it was that it, it, they even found specifically those who grew some, uh, like uh, they did gardening to eat. You yes, know? that's right. But it that, wasn't just it ornamental. Wasn't just, yeah. just, just flowers. You know, mm -hmm. flowers aren't important they play a part but it wasn't just ornamental but yeah so i do think it yeah it's very interesting and, yeah. and again it teaches you reality <laughs> you you know this connects to everything what we said before but you know you realize how god has created this earth that we live in and you start paying attention uh, to, to the different aspects and the intricacies of life and you, you see how the earth produces food. You know, like that's where we started here in Genesis 1, 29. Uh, like he's given us every green plant for our food. And how does this thing work? Uh, and that's reality. Reality mm -hmm. is obscured and uh, uh, in some ways by the grocery store, as you would call it. You know, like I'm thankful for the grocery store. We don't have anything against it. But if that's all our exposure to, you know, plant life, for example, is we are uh, our view of reality is can be very twisted, even you know, and like mm -hmm. not it's not real, you know. Think about it. Some kids who grow up now, 
like might have never like they literally might not know <laughs> like where the stuff comes from they think like oh where do you get milk well you get it from the shop that's it that's where milk comes from mm -hmm. and maybe the shop manager makes milk maybe he's <laughs> the one who like i don't know just like yeah. you know makes some magic words and it comes into existence no yeah. god made a cow that eats grass that turns it into milk mm -hmm. and uh, all the beauty. And, that and even if you know that milk comes from cows, none yeah. of us know which cows or where even the farms are that are making yeah. the food that are in the store. We just literally have no idea where the food's coming from. <laughs> like it just yeah. shows up there and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a high degree of trust. And, you know, I think that kind of connects to the next one we had here is that yeah. gardening, what it does for you is it, it produces health. Um, and this is done in a lot of ways. Obviously, if you, if you grow your own food, you have fresher food, um, mm -hmm. but you also can choose the way that you grow it. You can do it um, without uh, pesticides. So you have a confidence mm -hmm. that what, what it is that you're eating, you know what went into it. You know mm -hmm. everything about it. Um, and then just the simple fact that you're spending time outdoors, you're getting more vitamin mm -hmm. D, uh, you're getting exercise as you move things mm -hmm. around as you, as you, um, even just, if you're doing just potted plants, um, mm -hmm. there, and there, there's, a even exposure, even, uh, if your, your immune system to, to elements and things like that, and even, um, yeah. allergens and things like that, especially from a young age, experiencing those allergens and helping your body to, to understand them. Uh, mm. there is, there's a health factor to it. And so that's, that's a benefit that can't be discounted about gardening. Mm. And again, it connects it. Well, it makes sense, right? If God created us in a specific way and specific environment, then if we live in this kind of artificial bubble where we're completely away from that, it would make sense that there are certain things that God has created, how life influence different forms of life. Uh, or, or like the well the, just the very fact that if if we stop eating vegetables completely you know <laughs> yeah. you know it will it will have a certain kind of negative impact on our uh, physical life uh, so in the same way if god has created us to be in creation in outdoors and look around you know do things and, and all that. so if we then live in a kind of thing that First of all, we don't use our bodies and we don't spend any time outdoors. We barely see the sun. Even if we live in a hot climate, we're just indoors all the time. Surely that will have some negative effect in the long run. Uh, and that's, you know, neither of, neither of us are any scientists and that's not what we're talking about. But it is interesting when you look up some of this research and things like how it connects to even, even mental health and some of those things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so it's connected to health. Uh, but then, you know, we're Christians, biblical understanding. How does that then, you know, that's maybe some of the things we don't think of. Uh, you know, scripture is full of references to plant, land, agriculture, animals, all these kind of things. And uh, yes, we might have to Google and or look at the Bible dictionary at times to like figure out like what's the winnowing fork, you know, or like like what does this mean? What does it mean? Uh, this and this. So it's good and right, but at the same time, if we can live closer to creation and start understanding, like oh yeah, you know, like well actually, you know, I was telling you before the podcast before we started recording here, I I just today happened to see here in our yard, like notice there's a bird's nest. 
and I looked into there and there's these, se well, about seven or something, I, roughly, these little tiny birds. And the first thing they do when they saw me kind of, well, at least they notice some noise or whatever, they open their beaks and look up, you know, wah, 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 you know, like they want some food. And I've never seen small birds so close uh, before. Uh, and it was just like, whoa, you know, what did Jesus say? He said, look at the birds and how God takes care of the birds. He feeds them. And, uh, you know, that's not exactly connected to gardening, but just how understanding about how, you know, Jesus said about the different soils and the seeds, you know, that's connected to gardening. If we've never mm -hmm. done anything with seeds and we, we don't realize right. that a seed can sprout even on rocky ground and it can sprout but they eventually will die mm -hmm. you know we're, yeah there's we're there's lacking. an yeah there's an intimacy with the uh word pictures and illustrations that the bible uses that mm -hmm. it do, it adds more color to them i yeah. think of it, it it is in the same way you know um people that have gotten to visit uh, the Holy Land, you know, been to yeah. Jerusalem and done like yeah. a biblical tour and stuff. It adds these shades of color to your understanding of biblical stories that you didn't have yeah, before. Definitely. And it's the same thing that, you know, when Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you have dressed a vine before, you, you understand that better. Uh, you know, he talks, like you said, the soil, uh, the parable of the soils, you understand mm -hmm. that better. And, 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 you know, seeds, the, the bodies that sown, that are sown in the natural will be raised in glory. And like mm -hmm. understanding these things with a depth that only comes from personal familiarity and not through like a Sunday school felt board or a book of yeah. biblical illustrations. Gardening helps to helps to provide that. Yeah. And all of that then connects to worship, that the more you understand the intricacies of the creation that God has made and specifically here plants, gardening, the more it should lead you to joyful and thankful worship of your creator, you know? And uh, that's something we need to keep on reminding ourselves. And that's something I'm trying to instill into my children. Like every time we see something new, like find this weird bug that they haven't seen before, or this fish, or we see this bird flying there. It's like, look at how, isn't it amazing how God made that kind of a bird too? Like he he didn't just make one kind of bird. He made that kind, of, and that one is like more interesting. Like it has certain interesting things that the other mm -hmm. one doesn't. Or you know, it's just all the time. And I'm trying to instill in them, reminding them. But it's a blessing to me that I just say those things that I recognize myself. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, God made that, and isn't it amazing that God made that? And just constantly yeah. reinforce that. Yeah. And there's this more and more this joy and connectedness to. Uh, well, and you and you had an experience on on Sunday where you had a litter of rabbits right after you. What were you, you told me what were you preaching on? You came home yeah. from preaching. Yeah, it's got it's kind of funny. You know, it was the first uh, Sunday service being back after this COVID thing. You know, in Finland now we're able to at least uh, churches under fifty uh, can meet. Uh, so we we did that. It was a joyful time to be back and. Uh, so I'm back in Genesis. Uh, I took a break during the COVID thing from Genesis. And I preached other messages on Psalms and Easter related. So I'm back in Genesis where I left off before this all started. And uh, I preached on uh, the creation, the fifth day of creation, the creation of, you know, the uh, water dwelling creatures and then the flying creatures. And uh, we recently, a few 
I guess it's a month ago, whatever. We got two rabbits and uh, first time we've never had pets as a family. And uh, we're trying to breed rabbits. And so we knew one of them was pregnant and we came back then. And uh, they say that apparently the most common day for a rabbit to then give birth is 31 days. And it was 31 days. And sure enough, we come back and we look in and there's the nest, full, you know, eight little tiny rabbit babies. I've never seen that in my life. And it was just like, whoa. You know, I, as you said, you know, I was preaching on how God gives life. I, you know, the fifth day of creation is the first time there's a living creature of any, you know, that's, you know, he created plants before, but then he creates birds and, and water dwelling creatures. First time there's life and life only comes from life. Uh, life doesn't come from non-life. And then seeing like these, rabbits you know produce more of their offspring uh and uh, yeah it's interesting that animals have been given the command also to be fruitful and multiply and fill yeah. the earth yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we might have to do an episode on that how that connects to when we do an episode on the you know mankind be fruitful and multiply that connects to that the animals were actually given that aspect before yeah. uh, uh so no that's a good point yeah yeah, but seeing it up close, it mm -hmm. leads to worship. And I think that's a that's a a good one. All these are important lessons you can learn from gardening what or what it can do to you. But that one is just so, so key. And it's not, um, a lot of these are incidental, like the, the health and familiarity with reality. They're incidental mm -hmm. benefits. But worship is not incidental to this because it was what you were made to do. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, if you are enjoying, if you're, you're participating in creation, that's a good way to put it. You are fulfilling what you're made to do. There's a joy to it. And there is just a, a fellowship with God that is very natural to that process. Um, of course, you're going to turn to worship him because you're, you, you are, you're looking at what he made and you're astounded at, um, the power of, of his create creation. And so I think that's, that's probably one of the best benefits. So we've talked about, you know, that man was created to be a gardener and we've talked about what gardening does to you, some of the benefits of it. Um, but let's just kind of, maybe we'll end on a practical note. Uh, what say you're listening to this and you say, well, I'm interested in trying to get into gardening. How can I start? Well, we're probably not the best people to tell you how to start because we're we're beginners ourselves too. Um, I I started out with a few herbs and I just keep adding. Right now I have I don't know maybe six or seven different herbs I'm growing. I have two uh, tomato plants. I just did I sowed some beets last week or the week before. Um, I've just gotten into composting. Uh, just yeah. last week or the week before that, I started. Uh, I got this tumbler to do composting in, kind of, uh, you know, to create more um, basically natural fertilizer. So all that we're we're pretty new to it. Uh, yeah. w what stuff do you have right now? Yeah. So um, you mentioned in the beginning that I referred to a little bit. Like I have done gardening before, even before I was a Christian to some degree, but. To this, you know, now it's kind of new to me again. <laughs> and now I'm the first time I'm doing it as a Christian with a, like a focus in, okay, what does this mean? You know, uh, like biblically speaking. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much in the beginning. Uh, yeah, some of the things, you know, we, we're growing some of our potatoes. Like our biggest project here is like we're trying to grow 
enough potatoes even for a year. Uh, potatoes are a very staple diet in Finland and a lot of people have a little, you know, back back in the day everyone used to do their own potatoes. Nowadays uh, a little bit less, but people still do their potatoes. So, uh, and they're very low maintenance <laughs> uh, potatoes, but still, you know, high yield. So, but then we, uh, you know, my wife has a little like... Uh, mini garden of like herbs as you would call them we would say herbs oh <laughs> you know, herbs <laughs> yeah no we ignore <laughs> the h <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway so like different uh herbs and kind of things like that and then we got some yeah we got a few tomato plants we got some that died off we got some more ones uh but what do we have we have some like different green things and like beans and uh you carrots, did my yeah. you did some microgreens didn't you Yeah, so we tried also uh, with, uh, and that's just just a yeah, it's a good, very good point. That's uh, something very easy to get into. So even if you're like living in a small flat somewhere and you you might not even have a balcony to grow anything on, you want to do something, just go to the shop and buy a packet of dried peas. You know, at least here in Finland, you can find them very uh, easily and they're cheap. You know, as long as they're not like broken into pieces, but you know, dried peas. And look up online again. We're not like gardening experts. We're you know theologians <laughs> in that sense. Uh, but look up online how to grow up like uh, uh, pea shoots, for example. Or then you can grow them all the way to produce more peas. But you just put them in a tray with a little bit of soil, and water it, and have it at their window or balcony or backyard. And in a few days' time, they'll start sprouting, and you can grow them for a few weeks, and then you can harvest it as a salad like that. Uh, it's just a very, and then just all kind of other microgreens. Yeah, some of them you can harvest in as few as two weeks. You can go from planting a seed in the little tray to uh-huh. eating it, and like yeah. that's pretty pretty fast turnaround. And so it's an <laughs> it's kind of an easy, low risk way to get started with gardening and get to enjoy the fruits of your labor without yeah. such a huge commitment at the beginning. And, and yeah. herbs too. Like I, I think the first thing I was doing was mint. Um, yeah. And I use mint in all kinds of stuff. And I just love yeah. it. I'll be out there in the morning doing my stuff and I'll grab a leaf off of it and just eat it. Um, yeah. You know, and things like that. The, doing things that you use or that you want to use. Like we got, mm-hmm. we did tomatoes because we want to use them in a lot of dishes. So yeah, that, that kind of makes it um, more practical for you. You know, don't do mm-hmm. just something crazy. Do something you know you'll actually eat. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can do this. Anyone can do it. Like you said, you can do it with microgreens in a windowsill. Uh, mm-hmm. You could do it with a little pot on your on your balcony or on your patio if you live in, in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, if you have a backyard, uh, you could do lots of stuff. I mean, you could go all the way and just totally tear up your backyard and turn it into <laughs> rows of lettuce. Yeah. Uh, but you also, I mean, you used to do this where you rented a... Um, a plot we, we have yeah. in america we have community gardens but i think you call yeah. it an allotment or something yeah i think that's maybe i guess the british word my wife is british so i'm influenced yeah. by british uh, english but yeah so like an allotment or community garden yeah so those kind of things too to rent and uh and it's surprising how much you can grow on a small scale and i think mm-hmm. this is one of the things like if you don't know anything about gardening which probably most people in our age don't know uh it can be surprising maybe like how how actually you don't need like acres upon of acres and acres to grow you know you might think like oh i can never grow even part of my food but actually if you're wise and if you're like clever with how you plant and how you use spades and things 
own a quite a small backyard you could make quite a lot of uh results and uh and like we've said it's not just about like somehow kind of doomsday self-sufficiency idea you know there might be a <laughs> benefit side benefit as such but it's more even just getting back the connectedness of how god has made us and observing whether it's on a smaller scale or bigger scale and it's always good to start small and then ramp it up instead of trying to do too much at once and then failing at it because you've never done it before so Start with something small, whether it's your balcony, your window, or your backyard. And do it for the glory of God and enjoy the fruit of uh, your ha- the <laughs> labor of your hands. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good place for us to end it. Um, you know, we've talked about today that it's common for people to think of gardening as something just feminine or something that your grandmother does. But... From the beginning, God made mankind to be gardeners, and that is still a way in which you can participate in creation and participate in, in a way with, um, with God in, in growing even your own food. Uh, there's a joy to it. There's benefits to it. It's biblical, and it's just one more answer to how should a man live.